Let me begin reading in verse 1, where we'll read down to verse 8. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light, that it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Then God said... Let there be an expanse in the midst of the water and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters from which were below the expanse from the water which was which were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning a second day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you are so gracious to give us an account of what happened those first six days that you created. We thank you, Lord. May we understand the implications and may it bless our heart and the result be praise and worship and a deeper, deeper understanding of you and your power, your wisdom, your majesty, and your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before creation, probably six to 10,000 years ago, before creation, there was just the spiritual world. God is focused here on the creation of the physical world. And He gives us an account of that. Before this physical world came into being, there was God in all of His glory. You had the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and then He created the angels. and They fail. Satan himself fell into sin of pride. And then you have one-third of heaven going with Him. And you have demons. You have the spiritual world. And that's different. It's a different world than this physical world. Now, before that, before the creation of the physical world that we're going to look at here, there was, like I said, just God. He didn't create this physical world so that, because he had some kind of desire in him that was lacking. That he had some hunger for fellowship or loneliness or some neediness within himself. He was perfectly content in and of himself. Uh, he didn't create out of need. Paul tells us in Acts chapter 17, he just makes this known, the God that uh, he was referring to, talking about to these pagans. He said, this is the God, uh, chapter 17 and verse 25, he says, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and everything. We depend upon him. He depends upon us for nothing. You say, well, why did he create? Why did he create man then? And it comes back to one thing in Scripture. 
just keeps coming back to this, this one idea, and that's to show His glory. To demonstrate His power and His majesty and to display His, His glory. His attributes are on display through the creation of a physical world. Of a physical world. And that theme is consistent throughout Scripture. Uh, Scripture always brings together the glory of God and His creation. And we see that, we see His glory through creation, through what He has, has made. That was the passage that, uh, passage that was read for us earlier, Psalm 19. The heavens are continuously, constantly telling forth the glory of God. Every time we look at it, we see His glory is on display. Now, I have to say this too, that we, first and foremost, folks, are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. We live in a physical body, but we're first and foremost spiritual beings. We actually belong in that spiritual world, but we're just, we have physical bodies, physical limitations, and, and so we can't be in that physical, that spiritual world fully yet. Our attention is focused here, and, and, and it's somewhat limiting. It's hard for us to understand that f- spiritual realm. And, and especially when we have scientists today essentially denying that there is a, a, a spiritual realm, it's hard for us to grasp the fact that, that God is in this spiritual world, and that is the primary reality, and this earth and the physical realm is just a secondary reality. This physical world is just a manifestation of the spiritual realm, so much so that the Bible calls us children of God or children of the devil. And that's pretty strong language. But in that spiritual world is where the ideas start. That is where the authority lies. That's where eternity, that's where eternity is placed. That's where, that's the place of permanent relationships. They are established there. And this little planet, this little earth that we live in, is just really essentially a reaction of the spiritual realm. That's primary. This is secondary. This physical world is secondary. It's temporal. It's fleeting. It's just a, a vapor that's, that's just going to be gone after a while. It's where death and decay is. The, the whole of creation is still groaning. And it's just, Solomon said, it's just vanity here when you look at that. So that's the way it is. If you would compare it to a chess board, the chess pieces being the physical elements and the chess board, that's all the physical elements. And then you have two invisible players essentially playing each other here. And we don't see their hands, we don't see the movement, but that's what's going on. You have a spiritual battle that's going on, and in this spiritual, this physical universe just points to reality of that spiritual world. We see that God is on display. His glory, His power is being demonstrated. Now, when we read the creation story, it's not so much then about the science. We would love to just have a, a science book. God, 
Why didn't you give us a science book to explain every little detail? Because God was not trying to produce a scientist. He wasn't trying to produce uh, archaeologists. And he wasn't trying to produce geologists and astronomers. He's not going to give us all the details because that's not what he's trying to produce. He's trying to, he wants to produce worshipers. Those who will see and just see the glory and, and worship him. He's producing worshipers. And the Genesis account here, we see his wisdom and his power and his greatness. We see his majesty. And it, it enhances our worship to him. It causes us to, to fear and, and have reverence and worship. It causes us to be in awe when we see His creation. And the result is deeper worship. And it's more reverential worship and more gratitude toward Him. That's what He wants. Now, He's made all of creation, all of the world, the whole universe, the whole expanse, and it's all useful for His purpose. But God in this passage we see has narrowed down to specifically the world, the earth, is what we call it, the earth. And it's a special place. And He gives a special attention to this place because this is where His image bearers will live. And we need to understand that. That's what makes the earth special. It's a special environment in which His image bearers can, can thrive, can live, can live out to His glory and further display His glory and His power through their life. Now, last week we, we saw verses 1 and, and part of verse, and, and verse 2 as well, and that he, uh, he brought everything into existence, uh, the, essential, the essential building materials of... Uh, of, of matter, of, of the, the physical earth. It's encased in water. We have space and we have, uh, we have the, the ground, the earth, and, and the water. Those are the, the big elements that he's going to need. He's kind of prepared his workspace. And now we see in this passage, he's ready to go to work. And we see the first day. He's beginning, he's ready to begin his work. And, and what I want to point out to you, first of all, and I want you to see this, is his routine. Because this is, this is really amazing. Every, every step, every day, there's a routine. There's, there's certain steps. There's certain things that are said that are consistent with each day. And it's pretty amazing because you see a little bit of a pattern here of God's work ethic, His, his uh, routine, daily routine of when He was creating. And I think it sets a good pattern for us. So I want you to see this, and we'll put it on the screen. First of all, we see he will create something. Day one, day two, day three. He'll just he'll create something on that day, and it's just stated in this way: God said. He doesn't have hands. He's not physical. He doesn't have arms or legs, but he speaks things into existence. That's power, folks. Out of nothing, he brings things into existence. Number two. Whatever he speaks into existence, it obeys. There's obedience. There's instant obedience. And it's, and it's, there's a little phrase you'll see consistently. And it was so. I love that. This is absolute power demonstrated. He calls things into existence and, and they, they come into being. 
And that's ultimate power. Number three, you see, a, you see an action. It's usually and God. You see some kind of work, manipulation of his environment, some kind of arranging, so that it is suitable for mankind. Suitable for, for man's interest and God's purpose. Brings them both together and, uh, and we see that God kind of manipulates the, what he brings into existence. And then he labels it. Number four, he labels it. And, and it's the, the little phrase, God called. God called it day. God called it night. God calls. And, and that's just showing authority, demonstrating power over his, his, uh, his creation, that he owns that. He has the right to label it. He has the right to call it whatever he wants to. And he places limits and barriers on it. But he's, he's creating an order here. When he does it, he places a title, a label on it. He's bringing things into his order. Number five, then, he evaluates that. He, he sets back and, and he looks at it and he says, and here's the little phrase, God saw that it was good. Usually it's, it, well, it's always been, it's always good at the end of every day. It's always good. He doesn't say, eh, not so good. He says it is good. That's an evaluation on his work. He sets back and he says, yeah, it's exactly what I want. It, it, it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. The word good there. Um, well, we'll look at that later. We'll come back to that. But God evaluates his work, and it's, and it's always good. Number six is that then he breaks. It says the little phrase, and there was evening and morning. Now you'd think it'd be morning and evening. Again, we'll come back to this. But he, he starts at the end of, end of the, the work day, and it, and it goes into evening. Evening. And then he, he numbers the day, the number of the day. And there's a sequence here, one, two, three, and it's, and it's over the period of six days that he creates, and then he, he uh, gives man a rest on the seventh day. He rests on the seventh day. And that's the example. It's the example that he's set for us. And we'll see that. And I want you to look for that, those little patterns. And it's easier to interpret when you're, seeing, when you're seeing those little patterns, those little phrases that are consistent in. Now, the question then is, What's God's first day at work like? You ever thought about that? What was your first day at work? Are you kind of disoriented, not know exactly what's going on? First day at work, God's first day at work, He knew exactly what was going on. He brings things into existence. So we look at the first couple of days here. The first day is light. Light. Let's read verse 3. Then God said, there's our little phrase, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light that it was good. God separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day. He labels it day and the darkness he calls night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. So that you see the pattern there already starting. Let's look at this. He caused things into existence. He spoke. He says, and God said. Um, now, we can't create that way but God is creating when he creates he he just brings things into existence into the physical world we can't do that the only thing we can do is manipulate what we have to create something we don't bring things into existence like God does and and the word that is used 
the word, the phrase that is used is ex nihilo, out of nothing into, into existence. Now then God will manipulate it, but He brings it into existence first. And we can't, like I said, we can't do it. It'd be great to just say whopper, right? Or, or ice cream. Or, or steak. Now, I want you to notice that Christ had this same ability. When Peter went back to his old life, Christ was raised from the dead. He comes and he's restoring Peter. Peter is out fishing. He goes back to his old lifestyle of fishing. And Christ meets them on the shore. And he says, uh, come on in, guys. I've got breakfast for you. Well, where did he get his fish? He didn't fish all night. They had fish all night and hadn't caught anything. Christ had fish in the pan. How did he get that fish? He just says breakfast. He says fish and it's there. It's frying. God, Christ can just do that. He has that kind of power. We don't have that kind of power. It's a different kind of power that God has to just create. We can create things, but not like God does. And what does the light do? The light then obeys. This is power, folks. This is power on display. The the light just explodes onto the scene with, with brilliant splendor. God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's amazing. So what's the source of that light? Raises questions right away. All the commentators have to deal with it. The sun hasn't been created yet. The sun doesn't get created till day four. You say, well, where does the source of light? Now, that's the way we think because we live in this physical world, right? We're kind of tied to what well, has to have a source. The sun hasn't been made. Well, where does the, where does the light come from? We, we see in verse 16 the light uh, that God uh, creates the, the sun and the, and the moon at that time. Let me give you an answer. And I believe that the source is just God himself. It's his glory on display. And we see that actually in the new heaven, in the new earth, when God creates those. It's really interesting. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, he says, uh, and actually it's this passage. He said, I saw no temple in it. This is the new heaven and the new earth for the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of a sun, of the sun or the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb. That's wonderful. The nations will walk by its light. And all the kings of the earth bring uh, their glory into it. It's just we will just live in that new heaven and new earth just by God's light. Just the light emanating from God. And I believe that that's what you see in the first first day. That, that light's just coming from God's glory. God's glory is already on display. Now, why is that important? He arranges this light and he, he kind of organizes it here. He says, then, uh, uh, verse 4, then God saw that it was good and he separated the light from the darkness. He, he made the quality of light so that it would pierce through darkness and you couldn't have it at the same time. So there's separated, separated. You have the light portion and then you have the dark portion. Um, and therein lies the day. It's a day. You have a 
dark portion of the day and the light portion of the day. And then, then it just says an evening and morning, one day. One day. Not, not the first day. No, he is calling, essentially calling a day into existence as well. And we need to catch this because the first day, well, God just created light. No, it's a little bit more complicated than that. What you have is a sphere going around and it's covered with water. And and God says, okay, I'm going to create light. Well, the light just swarms this this planet. But then all of a sudden, he says, I want to separate the light from the darkness. So you got half the planet. That's spinning around, half the planet's dark, half the planet's light. The day portion and the night portion. And what do you have? As that planet just spins, you have, a tw- we call it a 24-hour day. He just called it a-, a day and a night, or an evening and a night. And so you have the first day. You have day one. You don't have evolution. We've talked about that. It's not a day-age theory. A day is a long, long time. No, it's just a 24-hour period. How do we know that? Because the rotation of the of the earth, and there was light, and there was darkness, and one rotation is one day. That's pretty clear in Scripture. It's what you see. Now, the word day is, is yom in the Hebrew. Uh... And light does that. Light does that. Light shines one direction. It's coming from one direction here. And it, as the earth rotates, it's a good gauge of time. Because as it spins, if there's no light, there's no, no starting point and no ending point. So God is creating a, a day. Now we break it up, like I said, into 24 hour 24 hours, we can break it down into minutes and seconds. We can, we can elongate it to, to 24 hours, uh, uh, per year. It's 365 rotations of the earth, uh, every, every day. And then we'll see the rest of his creation in, in day four. But what we see is the creation of a day. The day not we we call it 24 hours god calls it day portion and night portion and it's a day it's a day so god's establishing time he's establishing time god is outside of time he's establishing a, a way to measure time and that's the spinning the rotation of the earth he is outside of time at some point christ is going to come into time but god is outside of time and what we see here is just his his majesty his magnitude he he he's not trapped into the spin of this earth he's outside of that that's a big god folks that's a big God. He is a big God. We're trapped on this little tiny planet. In God's vastness of the whole universe, we're, we're, we're small. Then God evaluates. He looks at this light and He says, it is good. It is good. He puts it into the good category. That means pleasant. It means it's appropriate. It does exactly what I want it to do. It's excellent, actually. You could translate it. It's functional. does what I want it to do. 
It serves God and it serves man properly. He's looking at that rotation. He sees that light hitting. He sees the the darkness and how man needs that. That 24 hours, that day and night cycle. And, And he says, that's good. That's good. Now, this is where I wish I was a scientist to be able to understand more of the properties of light. Because that's the question next. What is light? What did God see when He says, let there be light and light came into existence? All the properties of light. What exactly is that? Well, let me tell you, it's beyond me. But if you Google it, you can get some pretty good answers. But it's incredible. It's incredible. Let me give you just... Here, here's just kind of a rundown, just just quick. The need for light. We'll just we'll just start there. We have to have light. Light has to either there's a source of light or that light has to reflect off of something into our eyes for us to be able to see. If we did not have that, everything would be dark, right? We understand that. That's kind of where we live. So what we see is the essence of light or the essentialness of light. We have to have light. Have to have light. Number two, let me give you a definition of light. It's not a satisfactory definition. Let me just tell you. It's not. It's an electromagnetic radiation. Does that help you? Not really. I thought, what is that? But it's a spectrum here. And, and it's, there's, a, there's a whole range of that spectrum. We'll look at that in a, a second. Actually, there's a slide. If you could pull up the next slide there. There's a whole spectrum here, and there's just part of it in that spectrum. You'll see it there. Just that little sliver, black sliver in the middle there, uh, dark sliver. That's, that's light for us, and you see that whole spectrum. But on the range of that spectrum, you have... And light's, by the way, measured in waves, and so you see these, these waves, and you see they're more intense over on this side, and they're less intense, they're more spread out, and you have... From one side, you would have the gamma rays. The other side, you would have radio waves and TV waves. And you say, well, how in the world is that? Well, that's, that's within that little spectrum. But it's narrowed down to what we see as light in just that one little spectrum. We see the colors kind of at, of the light. Now, I'm not going to try to explain all that. There, there's a, a lot more. But let me give you a few laws. Light travels at the, as the... It's a constant. It's obviously very fast, but it can be reflected, deflected. It can be uh, absorbed. It can be slowed down. Uh, another law of reflection is that as the light comes in at one angle, it will leave the object, bounce off the object at the same angle. That's incredible. God built that in there. The speed of light, let me just tell you this, this will warm your heart. Uh, 299,792,458 meters per second. That's in meters. It's 186,282 miles a second light can travel. God built that into light. Light uh, has the, the, all the colors in it. It's comprised of, of colors as well. And you see the colors on that, that spectrum that we saw back there. Light, light travels fastest through air. 
It begins to slow down when it hits water. So it hits the earth, slows down. And that's why you go a certain, below a certain level in the, in the water and it gets dark because the light can't penetrate. It slows down too much. And then it hits glass and it slows down even more. Why is that important? Because when it slows down, when light slows down going through an object, it fragments and breaks into color. That's how we can see color. And actually, when it slows down enough, they can see measure particles of light. It's just incredible. The, the most dense thing that we have is a diamond. And, and the, as light penetrates through diamond, it slows down so much that that's why the diamond just explodes with light. You can see the colors of the light, of the rainbow, essentially, in that, in that light. That's amazing. It's amazing. Another element of light is this, that it can spread. So you can have a little pin prick, a little nail hole in a, in a, in a room, and uh, no light in that room, just a one little nail hole, but that light can shine through, the sun can shine through and, and break into that room and shed light on that whole room. It's amazing. God saw that it was good. He says, this is good. It's functional. It's exactly the way I want it. It's perfect. It's pleasing. Now, that should cause us to praise. That should cause us to worship God. That should that cause us to, to have a deeper worship for God. But let me, give you, let me give you some Scripture references here. Because light in Scripture is, is um, illustrative of, of certain things. And I want you to see these. And I want to go through some of these scripture verses with you. We can just go through these quickly. Psalm chapter 104. Psalm 104 verse 2. It describes the glory of, of God. Or it's, it's illustrative of the glory of God. Psalm 105 point, 105 uh, verse 2. I'm sorry, 104 verse 2. He says, covering yourself with light... As with a cloak, that's God, covers himself. So, so what, what the picture is, is he's so brilliant that we can't really see him. And the light would be so bright, so brilliant to the physical eye. And then you have 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, a wonderful verse. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. That light illustrates God. And in him there is no darkness at all. It's essentially illustrating the purity of God. Another thing is God's wisdom. In Daniel chapter 2, actually, that whole section. But Daniel chapter 2, verse 22 is another verse you, you need to just be aware of. It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in darkness. And the light dwells with Him. Now the, the light that's talking about here is just knowledge. It's just wisdom. It's just information. And that is God. He gives that, those things. So therefore then... He becomes a guide to us. We, we see guidance through this. In uh, 
Psalm chapter 27 and verse 1, it says that David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my defense of my life. Whom shall I be? Whom shall I dread? He is my light. My information comes from him and his his information is salvation to me. Let me give you Psalm chapter 4, verse 6. <clears throat> Another wonderful passage. Psalm chapter 4, verse 6 says, Many are saying, many are, uh, many are saying, Who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. It's talking about God's grace, God's favor. And we pray, Lord, Lord, shed your light upon us. Give us grace. Grace to understand. Grace to, to uh, know what you have for us. Grace in just living this life, your favor. Let me point out one other thing here. And that, that is Christ in John chapter 1. We know this verse very well. That Christ is seen in Scripture as light. Verse 4, in Him was life, and that life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Couldn't, couldn't squelch it. Christ came down from earth, and, and it was like light, just brilliance coming to earth. Matthew chapter 17. I love this little passage. Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. It says this, And he was transfigured before them. This is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Christ up there with a few of his disciples. And his face shone like the sun. And his garment became as white as light. So brilliant was his glory that they couldn't even look at it. It was too brilliant for them. That's the same kind of light that God is, is, a, uh, um, is seen as having, that Christ had. It's just brilliance. That's His glory. And His Word is the same way. His Word, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 130, says this. The... Unfolding of your word gives light. And it gives understanding to the simple. It's just the unfolding. Folks, the, the light comes to us. The understanding of how to live life comes to us through the word. And we unfold it. We open it. We unscroll that, uh, unroll that scroll and read it and, it. and it becomes light to us. And that light essentially starts in Second Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says that it's the light of the gospel in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever, unbelieving so that they may they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They don't see it in the spiritual reality. They're still blind. That's a condition of the soul of man. You're either the, the son or, or daughter of the light or your children of darkness. And that darkness is described as, as absolute darkness. It's the absence of, of light. The absence of light is, is darkness. And you can't see. Perpetual blindness, folks. 
And that's the unbeliever. It's the way they're described as. They, they can't see. They, they don't see the, the spiritual realm. They don't see God in all of His glory. They don't see the glory of Christ. They don't see the glory in the Gospel. They don't see the glory from His Word. They don't see the glory of the truth. They don't see the, the light. The Word, we, we would say, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. It gives light. What's something that's profound to me, though? Understanding light a little bit, that Christ would say to us, to you, and to me, that you are the light of the world. Now, folks, that's profound. Light can be a candle, or light could be the sun. Light could be the moon just reflecting off the, the sun. It, it could be brilliant. It could be one of those, those, flashlights that you could buy today to just blind you. Or it could just be just this little tiny light. Little tiny light. And he says, now you're the light of the world. You're the one that's going to influence. You're the one that's going to dispel the, the darkness. So much so that, that darkness just doesn't want to be with you and there's a clear distinction and the light's going to go out. You're going to live this way. The world's not going to live this way. You're going to live this world way and it's going to be light to the world. They're going to see that and say, how in the world do you live like that? They're going to say, where does that hope come from? But it's just light. And God is so gracious to give us the physical light that we have. But He's also so gracious to give us the spiritual light of the gospel. And, and folks, when we keep this book closed, we're going to... And we wonder why. We wonder why we grope around in the dark. wonder why we stumble. We have to live by the light. We have to open the sufficiency of the Word of God and, and, and see that it gives us clear distinctions, clear a light to live by, or information to live by. It's wisdom. So what you see is, we see a physical world that God has created. He creates this light, but it's also representative of a, of a spiritual world, and it's used throughout Scripture in that, that we are children of the light. God demonstrates His power in creation. We can see it. We see uh, His His glory on display and His majesty on display. And folks, it should enhance our worship. Because we walk by His light. We walk in that light. And that's the the glory of this. That we have light to see by. And so often many Christians don't. They don't open this book. They, they, they keep the light hidden. They, they don't use its principles. They don't read its words. They don't allow its warmth to warm our heart. We just keep the book closed and so we grope about in darkness unnecessarily. Folks, if there's ever a time that the world needs light, it's now. It needs the light of examples It needs the light of the spoken word as we speak out this word. The world needs light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for just this little reminder of light 
Thank you for what you've done in our heart to shed your light upon us, to show us where we're, where we're dirty, where things are unclear, where darkness resides. You just pierce through and you, you shine that so clearly on our life. And then it's so clear then what needs to happen because the light is there. Thank you for your grace to give us this light both in the physical and the spiritual realm. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.